Well, it's that time of the week again. It is time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode number 507 for October 29th, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. It is also programming by Stealth, installment 42 of X with the internationally famous Bart Bouchats. How are you today, Bart? I am doing absolutely fine. Um, it's a holiday weekend here in Ireland, and very unusually, the weather's been nice on the bank holiday weekend Sunday, so wow. the sun was out. Now, granted, there was a north wind, so it was bloody cold, but it was sunny, so it was fine. Well, good. Well, good. I had fun with my homework this week, so I'm excited. I'm I'm not done, but I at least enjoyed myself battling away at it. Well, good, and I'm hoping that the, uh, the, the challenge at the end of this one will be fun as well, because you're going to get something very real, uh, very visual, very rewarding, because you're going to see it. So that, that, that should be fun. <laughs> I think I got a squee from you yourself uh, when you got yours to, to be visually there. So uh, I'm, I'm terrified, though, because we're going back to the uh, automaton. Yeah. I'm yeah. way more comfortable in those forms and HTML and CSS. I got I'm not going to lie, but uh, I'm ready. OK, well, the, the event handlers and stuff is where your homework is going to lie. Oh, so good. Yeah, I like it. You're playing with at the moment. Yeah. OK. So we're kind of at... We're kind of at an important point in the series where we're going to bring our three threads together and we're going to make our first web app. So we have been working towards a collection of JavaScript prototypes to model cellular automata, which is the plural of cellular automaton. I can't spell what, either word, by the way. Typo C-A. every time. <laughs> CA. CA works fine. Both plural and singular. Um, and a specific CA is something called Conway's Game of Life, which it, it's not really a game as such. You sort of set it off and watch it go. So I, I believe the phrase these days is a zero-player game for these kind of time sinks. So not a, not a multiplayer game, not a single-player game, a zero-player zero game? Yeah, you kind of click go and you watch. <laughs> okay. And you watch and you watch, you know, and it, fun stuff can happen. Um so we are going to build, by the end of today, by the end of this installment, we will have a working Conway's Game of Life. And then your homework will be to make it work better. Oh, So we're going to okay. have a very, very, very basic. We're going to have a really poor UI, and your job will be to make the UI not so poor. Hmm. Okay. Uh, as per usual, we have a zip file for the show. Uh, but we also have a tagged release over on GitHub for the starting point for your homework. So I'm managing the code for the cellular automata on GitHub. It's open source. So I basically I've put a, a tag on the GitHub page to say this this state of the code, this is the starting point for your challenge. And then when I provide a sample solution, that will be another tagged release on GitHub. So, you know, it's a full versioning system. So basically I can just label different phases of the code's evolution as being, you know, the sample solution to assignment, whatever, and the starting point for assignment, whatever. So they're tagged releases. So at the link in the show notes, you'll be able to download. Or if you're into the whole Git thing, you could fork it at that point and bring a copy into your own GitHub account and work from there. So am I supposed to be having run a download here yet while I'm listening to you? The, the yeah, the download here will give you the zip file, which will have my sample solution to the homework, and it will also have the file we're going to build up together through this installment. So, so PBS forty two that I have a CSS select uh, CSS suggestion for you. A CSS suggestion that's hard to say. Yeah, it is. That's why I stuttered so much. So on your website, your you often put things in blue that are not links. And it makes it really hard to find the actual link. So I I hunt around for a long time looking for the word here. 
So I don't know where it is on your site. And if it, it is it might always be right in, in it is it is always in the last paragraph of the introduction. I am consistent about that for my own sanity. So it is approximately okay. yeah, slightly down were, from the P in programming. Gotcha. Okay. So okay, right. if the they entire were a different, site, slightly right. different the, color or something, it would be just lovely. Alison, this entire theme is being thrown in the bin. It is awful. It is horrible. I hate it. I detest promising. it. You keep promising. <laughs> I know you've been busy, but... I have been... What, not only have I been busy in general, I've also been working behind the scenes, but I can't hit go until it's functional. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad glad to hear you're, you're working on it, but it's... Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it drives me nuts. It's like it, it it drives me absolutely crazy. I'm here teaching people how to do web stuff and I have a web page that's absolutely god awful. <laughs> slightly embarrassing. All when right. I say slightly quite a lot. Okay. Yeah, there are many things wrong with this theme. That is one of them. So basically the code tags come out in blue and so do links. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well I'll quit whining about it then. It, it's basically it, I, I am the you. choir you are preaching to. <laughs> Okay, I've successfully downloaded PBS 42. Okay, so and there should also be a file in there, which is the my sample solution to PBS 41. Yes, okay. Yes, okay. So I guess that's where we start. Probably makes the most sense. So as a reminder, let me go back to previous installments here. I should have... So I used as my starting point for the challenge where my code was at the end of PBS 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the exact thing in the challenge I asked you to do was... We needed uh, to add click handlers to a thumbs up, thumbs down, and, and any other elements that we had in there. And uh, we had to put a reset button in, and we needed to be able to add the key press handler for people to be able to hit the space bar uh, to, um, to select something. Look at me. Yes. That is indeed a pretty darn good summary. So I think it was add a reset button. If you don't have any custom validation already, make some. Mm-hmm. And then make sure it works when you reset the form. And then if you haven't already added some sort of star rating, add some. So right. you had a star rating, so you chose to add the thumbs up and thumbs down. Yeah, because Whereas- I knew that if I started with my stars rating, I would never be able to figure it out. So now I'm backing into trying to do the uh, all the homework on that, not on my newly made up uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. It's getting the thumbs up, thumbs down to work is the same logic, the same. Oh, yeah. One would think. <laughs> then why is one working and not the other one? <laughs> well, there's obviously a typo somewhere. Some, something oh, subtle, I would imagine. Shockingly, there's a typo. Yes. And then the last thing was to get everything working with the keyboard so that we are good, accessible people. Yep. Yep. So the first thing I did in my homework uh, was to add the star ratings. So... The entire the entire final result of my homework is available as PBS forty one dash challenge dash solution html inside the zip file, uh, but I've picked out in the show notes just just the relevant sections for adding in the stars, and it's basically the kind of stuff we've seen before. I've created a label, I've put a span around the whole lot, and given it an ID that ends in underscore UI. I've given it the role of radio group. I've aria labeled by it. Uh, and then in there, we have a span for every one of the five stars. Um, it has a data attribute. It has a role. And it has ARIA checked false. It has an ARIA label. And vitally importantly, it has a tab index equals zero. 
to make oh, it tap. And, and let's just mention really quickly, if anybody was working off of your um, PBS 40 uh, final uh, edit, you had the roll set incorrectly. Is that right? It was said you had radio buttons, but you, they were not in a radio group, at least in the in the HTML show notes. Yeah, somewhere they were and other places they weren't because what I ended up copying and pasting had radio group and then I got very confused. Okay. So I was I was working off of the uh, web page and the web page had it incorrectly at the time and I was so proud of myself for saying, hey, Bart. Yeah, no, you're dead, right? It should indeed be radio group because it's a group of radio buttons. Yeah. I don't know what havoc that would wreak if you did do it. If you didn't have that set right, what would happen? I don't know. That would entirely depend on how persnickety the screen reader was. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling most screen readers are not particularly persnickety because most web pages are very badly coded. <laughs> so they have to be real lenient. They have to be excruciatingly forgiving. Yeah, yeah. But that's no excuse to write bad code. But it does kind of slightly have your back when you do write bad code because you're by no means alone. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then the last thing is obviously your input type equals hidden, which is actually what's going to contain the data. So the the UI is to visually represent the information that's stored in the hidden input. That's kind of the logic. I totally understand that. I absolutely Excellent. understand everything you're saying. This just is... Excellent. <laughs> is, I like this. so refreshing. <laughs> Good. I'm hoping we get more of this. Okay. So the next thing I have then is I picked out my CSS, um, which is very, very little in this case. Um, so... For the UI as a whole, I've added a margin of 0.25 EMs, basically a quarter of a character's width. And that's just because my stars were, when it, when it was all done, it was all a bit too bunched up. And I was like, well, give it a bit of room. So, okay, margin 0.25 EM. There we go, some room. Um, and I also gave it a display of inline blocks so that the five stars would always go onto a new line together because they would be all grouped right. into one block. Because it would be really weird if someone resized the page and suddenly two of the stars were dangling off on a separate line. That that wouldn't be good. Um, and then the last thing is just to set the cursor to a pointer when people come over the stars, just because it makes it look more. I don't know why, but that that was the most pleasing thing in the homework. I just I just love <laughs> that I now know how to do that. I I, I actually copied the code and pasted it into my. Uh, uh, keep uh, keep it, which is the tool I use to keep track of stuff, and it was just made me so happy that I had that to do later. It's a somewhere. good one to have. Yeah. It's a really good one to have uh, because it really does help people to interact with. Stuff. It's like, oh look, my cursor changed. That there was something this going must on be here. A that... Button I can push. Exactly. Uh, of course, the big work then in all of this. I mean, the HTML is very straightforward. The CSS is very straightforward. But of course, the big work is in the JavaScript. So 45 lines of JavaScript, which is not nothing, but I guess not huge either. Um, so the first thing is we, we I added a change handler whose job it is is to make the UI be in keeping with the actual value in the hidden input. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went uh, through all this in the in the instruction or in the lesson in PBS 40, by the way. If we read it, so I don't want to linger yeah. on it too long. Yeah. Uh, but basically, you're using we're using jQuery to find all the right bits, add and remove classes as appropriate, and add and remove the aria checked attribute as appropriate. And I understood all of that too. Excellent. Just love that. Then we have a click handler, which simply sets the value and then calls the change handler. And then we have a keyboard handler, which simply calls the click handler, because the click handler has already taken care of the work. So why not just leverage that work we've done? Which I did not understand until I screwed it up. 
And then I went, oh, that's what we're doing. Yep. Basically, don't reinvent the wheel. If your click handler's not working, then it. I got news for you. Your key press handler doesn't work either. <laughs> Assuming you've, I mean, you could in theory copy and paste the click handler into the key press handler. Right. But then you have duplicated code. And when you find a bug, you have to remember to fix it in two places. And that's just. And what do we call uh, that? That as, smells funny. What is the word for bad that? Smell. Bad, bad smell. Bad smell. It's actually, yeah. That's an actual term in software engineering is a bad smell. And you should refactor it out, mm-hmm. which means change the code without changing what it does. That's right. what refactoring is. Okay. Uh, and then the next thing to do is to add the reset button. Uh, the HTML for that is stupendously straightforward. Button type equals reset. Yeah. wonder why that's not working on my stars. But I'll get that done. <laughs> Works on my thumbs um, up, thumbs down, just not on my stars. Now, once I added the reset button, I was like, these two buttons next to each other look awfully similar. Maybe I should make the submit button stand out a bit so people don't accidentally delete all of their data. So I decided to throw up some CSS to make my submit button bold so it stands out more. So it's a nice example of using the attribute selector in CSS. So button open square bracket type equal submit close square bracket basically means every button with an attribute type equal submit will get the properties which follow, which is simply font weight colon bold. Okay. That makes my submit button bold, and that seems like a good thing to do. And finally, we had to add an event handler to the reset functionality to make sure that the form behaved properly when someone reset. So the first thing I wanted to do was to blank my stars. So I used a CSS selector to get a reference to them, so dollar pound sign avg underscore rating underscore hipt hidden input dot val zero dot change in other words set the value to zero on the hidden input and then call the change handler and since the change handler will make everything okay everything will be okay and it does indeed work then i want to recalculate the validation of my genres because i had a rule where you had to select at least one genre for the form to be considered valid well if you hit that reset button the default browser behavior is to uncheck all of those check all of those uh, checkboxes so i got to recalculate my validity so that my form knows it's now invalid so hence i just call my function i wrote for that validate genres um and then also i have custom validation on the on my list of cast so I'm just going to call the change handler on that text area to make it as if someone had just made a change. And that will make everything be all right. And then I just wanted to blank the output area uh, where the little, where all the, when you hit the submit button, it writes the form data to the output area. So I figured I may as well blank that when you reset the page. So I just called .val empty on that. Hmm. So .val empty string. So just blank it out. And so basically, the actual code inside the reset handler is very, very short, because all you're doing is you're calling code you've already written elsewhere. You're just basically saying, do that thing I've already taught you how to do, do that other thing I've already taught you how to do. But you just have to tie those things together so that when one event happens, it triggers all the other events that need to be triggered. And that, that's, you know, that's sort of the approach, really. So you, you very, very often have event handlers calling other event handlers. It's like, if you do this, just pretend they did that, and then don't reinvent the wheel. Right, right. So with all of that said, it's time to get back to our friends, the Cellular Automata and Conway's Game of Life. And you made it very clear to me at the end of the last episode that we really should um, do a bit of a refresher because it has been a wee <laughs> while since we've worked on this. We're now, this is episode 42, which for all fans of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy means I now have to give you the, the answer to life, the universe and everything. That's right. We should have said something about that at the opening. Yeah, I'd meant to, but then I forgot I forgot to be smart. <laughs> Is it something about my towel or something? But I forgot. 
So way back in installment 36 is the last time we worked on this. So my starting point here is going to be my solution, my sample solution to the assignment set at installment 36. Makes sense. So that's available on GitHub. So there's a link there. And the files we're going to be working with are lib slash bartificer.ca.js, which is the file that contains the actual JavaScript for those prototypes. Because we're doing this as a proper software project, we're also, as we update the JavaScript, we're also going to be updating our QUnit test suite, which is in test slash tests.js. And finally... uh, You know what? You're losing me. I'm losing you. Yeah, so I know you live in GitHub. We don't okay. yet. So right. and I so, know okay. you're so making I know you're making us do that, and that's okay, but let me stage my question here. So okay. are you saying in order to follow along I have to go to lib.bartificer.ca.js and download something okay. or So at the end of that paragraph, there's a link that says available on GitHub. So if you click on that, you'll go to a GitHub page. Yeah, you also get to that page if you download the thing you said start here. Uh, It has a weblock file in it. And if you double-click that, it also takes you to to GitHub. Did you know that? Yes, it will, but it will take you to a different tag. So you'll see um, a sort of... Right, so you have your giant big green cloner download button. Sort of its mirror image opposite on the other end of that bar, is it says tag colon, and then it says what tag you're in. What? So you, Where? Oh, okay. Right. So you see the big green button. I see a big, big green button says cloner download so, when I right. when okay, I so open the, the dot web block file. Okay. You're right. Okay, but no okay, so I'd prefer you to click on the actual link at the end of this paragraph because it will take you to a place that looks the same but is different. Okay. So should we not should we maybe you want to do no, no, need that both. File. You need, no, no, you oh. need both. You, you, one of them is what we're working on now and one of them is your homework. They are two different things, your homework and where we are now. Okay. So the downloads are not all in the top of first paragraph. I'll right. download, I'll go, I'll go again. Okay, so I am now in something that looks exactly the same to me. Exactly the same to you. Okay, so you see the big green button that says clone or download. Mm-hmm. That's on a row of buttons. That's on the far right of a row of buttons. Mm-hmm. On the far left of the same row of buttons, it says tag colon and then something. Mm-hmm. So on one of the two links, it says PBS 36 challenge dot dot dot. And on the other one, it will say PBS 42 challenge dot dot dot. Yeah. So in other words, one of them is my solution to PBS 36 challenge. And the other one is the starting point for PBS 42 challenge. So are they as we different build... versions of the same thing? Yes, exactly. That's, that's okay. exactly what they are. Okay. So this is the code as it was at the end of PBS 36, which is where we're now going to start making our changes. Okay. Now, if you want to skip ahead and just get to the answer, no, just I want to. to I want to do what you're trying to teach, but I would have never known to do what you just said to do. Okay, so now I'm that's on. Why, that's why we record this, right? Yeah. Okay. So now I'm now at least on the right page, and now you're spitting out a whole bunch of test slash test dot js test slash index dot What was all that again? Right. So if you click clone or download and just download the zip file. Oh, do you tell us in the show notes to clone or download? No, you don't tell us to do that. So reading the show notes, we wouldn't know what to do next. 
right? Okay, apologies. I assumed I was assuming too much memory from previous time. I will I will add edit that. Like paragraph. I said, we don't yeah, we don't uh we don't play in well we Allison. Uh, okay, no, we spent a fair bit of time talking through it on PBS thirty six, but that was some time ago. Eight weeks ago. So download zip or open in desktop? Download zip is by far the easiest thing to do. Then you just have a, f- a zip file. Everyone okay. knows what to do with this. And I put that somewhere else? Anywhere you like. It uh, makes no difference. No, I don't it, like anarchy like that. Do I put it inside my PBS 42 or my PBS 36? Whatever makes you feel good, Alison. It's, okay. I don't, it's, I, it's okay, gonna, I don't know what we're gonna, doing, so I'll, I'll keep... I'll put it's it a somewhere. folder with some files in it, and we're going to edit two of those files. Okay. So when you extract it out, you should find a folder that contains files. Mm-hmm. The yep. file that has the JavaScript code in it is libbartfisser.ca.js. So you should see a folder called lib, which contains one file. That's the file with the actual prototypes we're going to be editing. So you can okay. you can open that whole folder from the zip file in Code Runner, and then you'll see everything in the sidebar in Code Runner. It's probably mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do. Okay. And so the first file we're going to be working on is the is libbartfisserca.js, which when you open it in Code Runner, you're going to see is the prototypes as we left them all those weeks ago. Okay. And then the second thing we need to do, because we're good software developers, is as we edit our code, we edit our tests so that we have tests so we know things are going right. So the other folder of interest is the folder called test, which contains a file called tests. .js. And open that in... Code Runner as well. Okay. So I have two tabs in Code Runner so you can see the two files we're working with. Okay. And then you may... Well, at some stage I will ask you in a while to open the index.html there in a browser of your choice so you can actually see the output of the tests. But, well, you know, that's... At the moment, okay. really, it's just to give an idea. So what I'm using as my starting point is the code you're now looking at. So we're just going to extend and tweak that code to add in what's needed. Okay. Before we do that, I want to remind you a little bit of what we're trying to achieve, because it's very hard to start writing code if you don't know what the problem to be solved is. So the job of the prototypes is to represent the mathematical concept known as a cellular automaton or a CA. So a CA is a grid of cells, and every cell in the grid has a current state. And that current state can be anything you like, right? So 42, boogers, snot, whatever. It can be anything you like, doesn't matter. Uh, each of those cells has a state. So if there's 100 cells, there's 100 states. The whole automaton steps forward in time like a CPU, click, and then everything gets a new state. So it's, it, it's a lockstep sort of emotion like a CPU. Current state, next state, next state next state how you so the way it works is that every cell's next state is calculated by a function and that function is what makes this your cellular automaton unique and the rules are that function can be anything you want but the only inputs that function is allowed are two things what was my last state or my current state depending how you want to describe it so what state am i now and what state are my neighbors in And based only on those two pieces of information, the function has to return a new state for the cell. And that new state doesn't affect other states because those are other cells. Those other cells are being controlled by that same function. 
Yes, exactly. Which so is those look are at the their cells neighbors, with... and you're a neighbor right now in this plot. Exactly. Right? Okay. So every cell does every cell does the same thing, which is what's my state and what are my neighbors like. And when everyone's figured out the answer, that you move forward in lockstep. Everyone then instantaneously flicks over to the next state, okay. and then the process repeats itself, and you go to the next state, and the process repeats itself, and you go to the next state, and so on and so forth. So it all everything depends on you and your neighbors, and that's all there is to a cellular automaton. It just steps forward in time. So Conway's game of life is a specific cellular automaton. And in Conway's game of life, there are only two possible states, alive or dead, which we'll be modeling as true or false, because it seems like a good thing to do. But basically, it's alive or dead, conceptually. And the function for moving forward is going to implement four pieces of English, which I'm quoting directly from Wikipedia. So rule one, any live cell with fewer than two live neighbors dies, as if caused by underpopulation. So if my current state is alive, and all of all of my neighbors, there's fewer than two of them are also alive, then my next date is dead. Fewer, th fewer than two. Fewer than two, so, so it's a less than. Okay. All right. Yeah, so not less than or equal to less than. Is the neighbor diagonals also or just up, down, right, left? It is eight of them. So 12 o'clock, I guess, sort of half past one. So it is one, diagonals three then. Yes, exactly. So yeah, exactly. There's okay. eight. Of, yeah, there's eight of them. Okay. Um, rule two. Any live cell with two or three live neighbors lives into the next generation. So if the number of live cells of, out of those eight that are touching you, potentially, or fewer if you're on the edge, if two or three of those are alive too, then you get to stay alive. Third Why wouldn't rule, it be two, or, two up to eight? Well, because it says two or three. Why? Because that's the rules of the game of life. Well, if less than two is dead and mm -hmm. two or more is alive, that's all no. those states. Two or three is alive, then any cell with more than three live neighbors dies as if by overpopulation. So rule oh, three takes okay, care of the lap. There, okay. Right? All right. And then rule four any dead cell with exactly three live neighbors becomes alive as if by reproduction. Not really sure how that works, but apparently three, three cells make a baby cell. <laughs> it's some kind of weird party. Some kind of weird party. Okay. So those four rules, which are written there in English, they're not, they're not actually difficult to write in JavaScript, right? It's a bunch of less than's equal to. So you say, okay. <laughs> we'll work through them. I don't think we'll have too much trouble with those. Okay. So that's what we want to achieve. But of course, we want to see it. We don't want it to be just in the computer. We want to see it. So our prototypes represent the cellular automaton as a whole, as a table. And in that table, we have a cell for every cell in the automaton. So it's, you know, tabular data is a good way to represent a grid. Okay. And then we're going to need a function which does the Conway's game of life stuff. And we're also going to need a function which takes as its input the state of a cell and then makes the actual TD tag on the page look like its state. So I've decided that green will represent alive and red will represent dead. So we're going to have to write a function that says that if my state is false, then color me red. And if my state is alive or true, color me green. So, so again, not 
we probably could go in and put a bunch of uh, uh, font awesome thumbs ups and thumbs down. But we could green actually, and, yeah. Green and red would be fine. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could have like empty and a skull and crossbones mm. or maybe some a nice shiny flower and nothingness to represent death. I mean, you know, you could you, you could do whatever you like, right? But I've just gone for very, very straightforward red and green. And for your homework, if you want to get all creative, have at it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, have at it. So where we left off was that our prototypes had gotten to the stage where they, they were able to store all of the information that had to be stored. So, the, so the, the prototype for the cell contained a variable for the current state, a variable for the next state. It had a function to move from one state to the next. So it had all of the bits we need to represent the data. And it had all of the bits we need to actually build up the physical table. But it didn't have any of the functionality to go. So where we left it was that when you ran the constructor, you got a grid. And that was it. So the table built itself. And that's where our code stopped. Right. So the first thing we need to do is we need the ability to just take the entire automaton and give it an initial state. So we need a function that sets the state of the automaton as a whole, because you can't run forward in time if you don't have a position zero, right? It doesn't make any sense to go to a next state if you've never defined a current state. You know, you have an existential crisis here. Hang on, I would would have thought naively apparently that the first thing we were going to do was make this thing exist visually but it does already that's where we left off where we left off is that we can no 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 there's no there's no html and css in this thing it's just yes there is if you call the constructor it builds it all up all that code is there so you're saying if i take that javascript and uh, i can well we don't even yeah that's where we left it last time we called the constructor and a table was created so when you call that constructor, it creates from scratch using jQuery a table, and then it creates a row, and then it creates a you're cell. Saying we had a, you're saying we had a grid on, on the page grid. at the end. No, I yes, never that had is, that. Nope. We all did. Never. We, nope. I, I, that's what I've been waiting did. for, it, is to see it. Well, it was an empty grid. It was a grid that didn't move. It was an empty grid, but we definitely ended on a grid. The code is right there. I actually went back to episode 37 to get the solution to PBS 36. Hmm. It was there. We did it. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> I've been waiting to see it all this time. That's why I asked this. So that's fascinating that I, that I don't remember it and you say it happened. But uh Okay. Well, I didn't write any of the code. I just went back to PBS 36 and copied and pasted the code from there. So we must have done it. How else did I I get the code to copy and paste? So where is the some index.html file in PBS 36 challenge solution that lets me see it? Sample.html. And they're green. Yeah, Yeah. that's a really... I, I I never succeeded at that. I can guarantee you that. Okay. So I'll start where you are. So as you can see, right, it's a grid, but it doesn't do anything. It just sits oh, there I, looking I, at I didn't it. need it to do anything. I just needed to see it, to believe it. But okay. It's got to be my faulty memory, but I just, wow. Okay. Moving on. I'll start where you are. Okay. So where we are is we just have this grid, but it doesn't, it doesn't go. 
So the first challenge is to get an initial state into that grid so we can set it to something. So we are going to add a function with the very imaginative name set state, which is going to set the state. So one automaton contains many cells. Yes? yes. So what kind of arguments should we accept into this function to set the state? Well, I've decided to be generous and to allow the user of this function to do one of three things. Either they can give me, as a single argument, one state, and I will apply that one state to every cell. So to make them all dead, you would simply call set state false, and then all of them would get the state false. Option two is if the user of the function wants to who's, set a different state. Who's the state. user now? Is the, the user person, a person clicking a button of go on a web page? Absolutely is the person not. The writing user, the code? It's the person who is using this prototype to create an actual cellular automaton. Is a developer. Like, like you are a user of jQuery. You didn't create jQuery. You use jQuery. Okay, that's why I was asking because I, yes. I get tangled on that part. So we aren't talking about somebody clicking something. We're talking no, about, we're talking, I've, I've gone to GitHub and I've said, wow, look at this nifty cellular automaton pr prototype. I'm going to go get me one of those and I'm going to build my, and I'm going to build from that. You're going to stick one onto your page like you took my clock code and then put an actual clock on your page. So that involved you calling the constructor from the code I had written, right? So the, the AP... Like you use the dollar function. You didn't write the dollar function. You use the dollar function. In this case, you wouldn't have written set state, but you will use set state. Okay. Yes. Am I, is that a maybe, K as maybe. in you get a it? K maybe. as in maybe. Okay. Maybe. I'm not baffled, but I don't understand completely yet. So. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. No, go, go ahead and go. I, I, I now okay. understand which user you meant. Okay, good. So option one is you just simply pass me one state and I will dutifully copy and paste effectively that one state across the entire automaton. And that may be of use sometimes, but probably not. So option two is that you give me a 2D array of exactly the same size as the automaton and you put a different state into every cell and I will dutifully copy over all of, you know, cell zero zero of your array goes into cell zero zero of the automaton cell zero one of your array goes into cell zero one of the automaton you get the idea mm -hmm. and then the third option is that you give me a callback you give me a reference to a function and i will call that function once for every cell in the automaton and i will pass that function the x and y coordinates and that function's ah, job so is to return function, a state and that function could be a random generator of trues and falses Yes, it could. Ah, if, I if, see not where just you're for example, going. that's exactly what we're well, going right. to do. That is extremely prescient of you. Okay, good. Uh, because that's how the game of life starts. It starts in a random state. And so okay. I needed a way to get a random state. So the parameters we accept... Uh, oh, okay. So what we're trying to get to is the ability to set our state. Um. But actually, the constructor accepts as a an optional argument an initial state. So the constructor actually already accepts the same three things. But the thing is, we never actually got around to making the constructor do anything with those arguments. We wrote the constructor so that it could accept the arguments and it doesn't do anything with them yet. But the constructor does already contain all of the code to validate those three, those three possibilities. 
So we could either copy and paste the code in the constructor into our set state function. No, that smells funny, Bart. Don't do that. It stinks. Exactly. It stinks. It smells fishy. So instead, we're going to create a function with the wonderful name validate automaton state. And that function is going to, we're going to copy and paste the code. We're going to cut and paste the code into that function and then call the function from the constructor and call the same function from our new function. So this is not code what we're writing from scratch. It's just exactly the same code that we had in the constructor before. So we're just checking to see, did you pass me a cell state? Else if, is it an array? Else if, is it type of triple equals function? And if all of those things are true, we're happy. So we then just very, very subtly update our constructor. So we replace lots and lots of lines of code with simply if someone has passed a sixth argument, we call our function, and if we're not happy, we throw an error. So the constructor just becomes way shorter. Is, are there lines of code I'm supposed to be following as you're saying this? I've pasted them into the show notes if you want to read them along. So the, the new function is, is this 69 function? lines long there. It says function validate automaton state s row calls. Okay. I don't know how much time you want to spend because this is no. literally just... No, but I, you know, eight weeks ago I saw the code, so, okay. Well, I'm right. just trying to decide, yeah, I'm trying to decide yeah, no, how, I don't, much, I don't how deep you want to go. I don't want to go too detailed on that, but then you said that you're using it someplace else. Oh, okay, that, that's the second block of text that's just three lines long there where you say, we'll set in the validation check to the constructor. Okay. Yeah. The, effectively, what we've done is we've cut the code above the 69 lines and pasted them into a new function, and then we've replaced those 69 lines in the constructor with those three little lines. Okay, what is S again? Is that state? S is the state, yeah. Okay. All right. And so what, what did in, all that just do? We have well, What we have done is we have refactored. So that has had no effect on the functionality of our code, but we've taken code we were about to have to copy and paste, and we've put it into a function. So that code now has a name, which means we can use that same code in the new function we're about to write instead of copying and pasting it. Okay, but what did the what did the code do before that we just copy cut and pasted and made it into a new function? What what it checked it checked to see if a value is a state, an array of states, or a function. If a value so are, what, what do you mean? It, okay, so we the last argument of the constructor is and it is allows the user to specify an initial state, and the three formats that are allowed to give it to us in are a single state we will plaster across the whole automaton, an array of states we will set diligently one by one, or a function which will return states. Okay, got you. So we're checking okay. if the user actually passed one of those three things, and if okay. the user passed anything that isn't one of those three things, auga, auga, you're talking poop. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm with you. Just like we, you. just like we validated everything else. Yeah. And so, because we need to do the same validation in this new function, so we just we just broken that out into a named function so that we can call is automaton state okay. instead of redoing all. So of is that, that a common thing you do where you write something and then later on you go, hey, I want to reuse that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make yes. it be a standalone and and refactor it and and then I can exactly. use it there and call it both places. Okay. Cool. Yeah, extremely common. Yes, that okay. is one of the most common kinds of refactoring is taking reused code and taking it into a separate function. Okay. So in theory, what we have done should have no effect on how the code works, right? Mm -hmm. Because all we've done is we've changed its internal layout, but it should have no effect on the functionality. 
unless we've introduced a bug. Mm-hmm. And that kind of bug has a name. That's a regression. Because the code was fine. We added no new functionality. And if the code isn't fine anymore, we have actually regressed. We have actually made things okay. worse. I'm real good at that. Oh, everyone <laughs> does it. They are like... I started with working stars and I added the thumbs up, thumbs down. And when I was done, I had nothing working. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it happens all the time. And so one of the reasons you want a test suite is so that you can very quickly make sure you haven't regressed because you've already written tests for everything. So really, now that we've refactored the code, we just go to our test suite and we run it again. And if it's still all green, then we haven't broken anything. You really love that whole design by test thing, don't you? You're a convert. Oh, 110%. Because some refactoring is really scary. So in this case, we're just moving some code into a separate function. Mm -hmm. But I've been forced to do some really, really, really root and branch refactoring in work, which is excruciatingly scary to take a working code base of basically, it's like stripping a house but leaving the exterior walls intact and then rebuilding it all up. And the ability at the end of it all to just say, I now rerun my test and to know that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. so valuable like oh so so valuable cool so at this stage i okay so as far as you can see i made no mistakes what mm-hmm. actually happened in the real world is there were a bunch of typos in that copy and pasted <laughs> code and i fixed them and then all the tests went green oh good that's how it works in the that real makes world, me right? happy yes so now that we've done our refactoring we're actually ready to make our first real change to the code so what we've done now is make it do what it used to do better mm-hmm So we need to write our function, and it should allow us to specify our three different states. So we write, okay, so that's, okay, so we're going to jump into the code base here, which is the 49-line long one. Um, The uh, on screen, gotcha. On screen. Okay. All right. So again, 16 of those lines are the JS doc comment. So it's not quite as horrific as it sounds. And line 17 is where we actually start the function. So the function takes one argument, which is the the new state we want to set on our automaton, which is going to be either a single state, an array of states, or a function. So the first thing we do is we call our new function we just created called validate automaton state. And we just basically, if that's wrong, it will throw an error, in which case that's what we want to happen. It'll throw an error. That's because the error was set up earlier. Yeah, so we wrote that function okay. to throw an error if you talk poop. So right. if new state is rubbish, it will throw an error, and then our function will stop. If not, we want to set the state of every cell. So we need to loop through every cell. So we have a for loop that says for var x equals zero, x is less than this dot calls. In other words, the x coordinate goes from zero to the number of columns mm-hmm. in the grid, x plus plus. Mm-hmm. And then inside of that for loop for var y equals zero, y is less than this dot rows. So the right. y axis goes in the number of rows, y plus plus. So we now have x and y and we work through every cell. So we say if new state is a cell state, just set this dot cell x comma y dot next state to new state. So yeah. that's line 27. Yeah. And okay. we're using the stuff we'd written last time. Uh, else if is array new state. If we were past an array, then we need to actually just copy. So we say this.cell xy.nextDate oh. is new state xy. Okay. So the first one was if we said splat that one cell state everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, then just splat it into, but one by one, x, one x, by you one. Know, x1, y1, x, or x0, y0, yep. all the way across. And then the second one was 
go get that array. I'm guessing the third one's apply that function. Bing, bing, bing. Right. So then we say, else if type of new state triple equals function, we will pass the callback, so invoke it. So we say this.cellxy.nextState is simply new state. Open parens means treat me as a function, x comma y. So we're passing into mm. the function the coordinates, and then the function is going to return something which gets shoved into next state. Whenever I say I see something new, you always tell me I've already seen it before, but it's it's really vivid to me, and I like this, that I can see, I know that next state can be one of three things. It can be a single value, it can be an array, or it can be a function, and in each one we're saying, hey, if you got if next state is a single value, do this. If it's a if it's an array, mm-hmm. do that. If it's this, it, it's just, I'm, I'm recognizing it and enjoying it. Excellent. And then finally, there's an if statement, there's an else statement that should be impossible. Because if our validation function validates properly, there is no fourth option. Mm-hmm. But I never assume that. I always write my code defensively. So I have an else statement that says throw new error invalid state. With a comment to myself saying that this really should never happen. So if you see that there's something else wrong. The, yeah, there's something the else wrong. code is wrong, not, not whatever happened. Exactly. Yeah, okay. But I do still explicitly throw the error because otherwise the code would continue to run and weirdness would have happened. So I will basically just explicitly throw an error. Just I don't know what's going on here, but oh, I'm so cranky. Um, <laughs> hey, Bart, you screwed up. That's what I would call the error. <laughs> exactly. So we have now set the next state of all of our cells. So we now actually want to advance those cells into their next state. So the function for that we wrote last time was advance. So advance takes the next state and makes it the current state. So every cell contains a current state and optionally a next state. And when you call the function advance, it takes the next state and puts it into the current state and then sets but, the next state to blank. But we haven't set the next state. We haven't written anything to say how the next state is created yet. Okay, but in this case, the next state is the new state they've just passed us as the argument new state. So in this case, we're just simply saying set the next state to the new state and then advance. Wait, 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 wait. what? We, okay, so we on just line doing that. No, we set the next state. Now I'm saying advance, move, be, make no, the no, next no, state the current how, state. But how do we how do we advance if we haven't written a function to say what causes that advance? We haven't said. Okay, uh, but in this case. Okay, but in this case, our intention is not to advance with the function. Our intention is to set the cellular automaton to the value passed to us in the function. So we're not calling the advance function. We're actually making the automaton be what we've handed it. So the end result should be that the current state is the state we were handed. Okay, you, what I'm hearing is circular logic. So let me try to say it myself. Uh, if I maybe follow what you're saying is we just did all this work to set the next state to the new state, but now you're telling me I have to advance in order to set the next state to the new state. Right. So why the why? job I of this function it. that no, we didn't, we set the next state. We didn't set the current state. The job of this function is to make the current state of the cellular automaton be the value passed. There is no function set current state because that, that's not allowed by the API. The only function the API provides us is set the next state and then advance. So we set the next state on lines. So we're saying, we're saying to, uh, you, we have a current state, which might be all blank. We don't know what it is. We're yes, going to say tomorrow you're going to be this. And then we say, OK, now the day has advanced to tomorrow. And now you get to yes. have that next date, which is what we just finished doing, except it's in the future. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a staging table, right? Yeah, Think of it okay. as a staging table. Think of it as an airlock. We've put them in the airlock, and then okay. we're saying, whoosh, close so, the door behind them, open the door in front of them. So I guess the uh, the important part was you can't set the current state. 
you cannot set the current state. The API does not provide any functionality for that. So we set the next state and we advance. Okay. And then we call the render function to actually make the physical table look like the state we've just set. Okay. But and we have a render function, but did we already tell it red and green? At the yeah, well, the constructor will have set a render function. What it is, we have no idea, right? This code will work in any case, but no. But I'm the saying, have we written something yes, that have. says red yes, is is false no, and green actually, is no, no. What we have written at the mo- at this moment in time, what we have written is a render function which says always turn it green. So one of the next things we're about to do is to replace that function okay. with a same one. Okay. But the point being, the automaton will contain a callback whose job it is is to paint the cells. So whatever that function is, call it. Okay. And so we do. And that's it. That's all the function does. So we now have the ability to set a state. So right now in the sample code, the function for rendering the state is simply the one-liner you see next in the show notes, which is background color green which has the comment, always render as green. That's not a very good function. (laughs) Okay. So we replace it with the one-liner below it, which you might want to just explode out onto the bigger view. Just stretch that out so you can see. I can't stretch it out. I can only word wrap it. Uh, Well, see the two arrows. Oh, but then it may go off the edge of your screen. Yeah, I guess Mm -hmm. word wrap is just... Okay. (laughs) Hey, have I mentioned that... Oh, no, never mind. (laughs) My theme sucks. I know. I'm... entirely aware of this fact. Really? Have we talked about that before? Yes, we have. So, very, very similar code, but instead of, where the bit where it says green in the other one is replaced with our friend the ternary operator. So we say s question mark green colon red. So if s is a truthy value, it goes green. If it's a falsy value, it goes red. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. You so would... it's a very subtle change, but it's kind of important. Yeah. Wow, that, so that this, was in the Wayback Machine, but I do remember it. I remember yeah. it existing, but I'm not sure looking at it in your show notes, you might want to put a little, remember the ternary operator thing? Because I'd be sitting there going, look at the question mark, going, what the hell was that if I hadn't heard you say it? Yeah, which is why I made sure to say it. Yeah, um, It's a good one to get into the habit of using, because yeah. it, you could write that as a big yay fail statement. Oh, it's but beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I like it. It is it is a thing of beauty, exactly. Yeah. Yes, programmers love love the ternary operator. Okay, so now that we have that done, we now need an we should now actually call our set state function with something. So I'm going to use the callback option as you so intelligently presaged, and I'm going to pass it an anonymous function which is a one-liner again, return math.random less than 5 question mark true colon false, the ternary operator 5. again. Sorry, yes, yes, because math.random returns a number between 0 and 1. So in other words, half the time we return true, half the time we return false. So hang on. So it says return math.random less than 0.5 question mark true. Read out to me. What does that say? Okay, so the question mark is the ternary operator. So if if math.random is less than 0.5, return true, otherwise return false. Okay, what are you going to do when it hits 0.5? Oh, because well, false that, would be greater greater than or equal yeah. to. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it will that will always evaluate the true or false. So it'll always be one color or the other. Okay. And so as the screenshot below shows, our dumb little sample page has gone from an all green grid to a smattering of reds and greens. Yay! That's the picture you sent me, right? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> it was like sweet. And 
you can use the you could use the console to keep calling that uh, set function over and over and over again, and you just see it change randomly if you like. But anyway, that's not here or there. Uh, so the next thing we really should do is we should update our constructor, which has been accepting an optional initial state, but doing absolutely positively nothing with it. So we should add a line to the bottom of our constructor that calls our new function. So the little four lines of code that's the next block here just gets slotted into the bottom of the existing constructor that says if they passed us a state, so if type of s not equal undefined, this dot set state s. In other words, if you pass me an initial state, call the initial state function. Hang on. Say that whole thing over. Okay, so at the point in time we started, our constructor was accepting six arguments. Five of them were required, mm -hmm. and the sixth one was an optional initial state. Mm -hmm. Our constructor was accepting that argument and doing nothing with it. The code hadn't yet been written to actually set the state. Okay. So all I'm saying is what we need to add to the bottom of the constructor is a call to this new function we've just written. So we have just created set state. It didn't exist until we right. wrote it a few minutes ago. Okay. So I'm just saying that one of the places we need to immediately start using this function is in the constructor. Okay. And so we're saying if it isn't, an, if uh, S... If so the S state is the is, name if we... The, if the state is not defined, is not undefined, then call, yeah. the, call this function uh, set state on s yes. because s in apparently words, yes. exists yes so s is the name we gave the optional sixth argument s for state mm -hmm. so we're saying if there was a sixth argument pass it to this new function we've just created okay so in other words if you call the constructor and you say i want it all random you shall have all random which is actually what we do want so that is what we will be doing okay okay so again we need to add some um, test cases to our test suite because we've now added new functionality. This functionality didn't exist until we created it. So now we need to make sure it actually does what it says on the tin. So we should really call our function with each of the different possible types of arguments and make sure that what we got was true. True? As in, sorry, that what we, if you call the function with a single state, that it sets that single state on okay. all cells. Okay. And if we call the function with an array, that it sets the right value, and that if we call the function with a callback, that it sets the right value. Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. I don't know how. I don't know how in detail you want to go through the tests, because basically all they're doing is calling our function and then checking the answer. But probably not too detailed. So let's just keep going. Okay, so again, it's all, everything is in the GitHub, right? That's the, the joy of the GitHub. So anyone wants to look in more detail, it's in the GitHub. The point being... The joy of GitHub. Have, exactly. the joy of cooking. And we have a test, which means that before I continued writing more code, I ran a test to make sure that what I had was doing what I wanted it to do. Oh, so that's where we see QUnit test set, dot set state? Exactly. Okay. So the next chunk of code is more tests, so we'll skip over that as well. So the next thing is to move from the abstract into the real. So our sample file just initially had our dumb grid, right? Which sample file? So sample.html that you mm -hmm. got from the zip oh, file. Right, so right. if you if you go into sample.html, maybe in Code Runner is a nice place to do it. Uh -huh. Then you will find that there's a script tag near the top. Let me see. 
Uh, yeah. Well, that script tag can starts with the line uh, var ah uh, sample var CA. sample ca. Okay. So that whole script tag gets replaced by the new content in the show notes there that also starts with var sample ca. So what did that script do? Remind us. So that's actually going to create our render function. Going to um, and then it's going to call the constructor to actually make it go. So in this case, we want to. So we're saying var sample ca. We leave that line alone, and then we create a function that's going to render our reds and greens. So we say function render red green, and then we stick into the content to make it go red or green. And then we write another function called random boolean. We just say return math at random blah blah blah. And then we want to actually call our constructor to build our automaton. And this time we're going to pass it as arguments the six things. Well, right? I don't, I don't see it being passed six things. I see. Okay, so line 20 is where we start the call to the. Sorry, line 22 is where we call the constructor. Right. So we were already so giving it um, the main so tag to... and, and telling yeah. it a 10 by 10 grid. We told it to always return true, which is what you're still doing. You're having render red green, which is right. passing so that render function and random boolean. So random boolean figures out what it is, and then you render red green after the fact, even though they're out of order. Is that right? Yeah, because the last argument is optional. So basically, you always need a render function. You don't always need an initial state. So random that's why the random boolean is the initial state. Okay. Yeah. The, sixth, right. the optional sixth argument is what to do for the sixth state. So your okay. choice was pass a single value, pass an array, or pass a function. So okay. we're passing so we function. used to do those six things, but we just said make it all true. Exactly. So we did those six things in a really dumb way, so we got our full slab of green. So now we've updated our code, so we don't get a full slab of green. We now get a random slab of uh, different colors. Okay. Red and green. That's right. all we've done. So what we were basically we're getting closer to our, our 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 automaton actually being the game of life. So we're now at a stage where it starts with a random state, and we can see that fact because our render function has been updated to color stuff red or green, and our initialization actually initializes to something now. So we're initializing to a random field. So we're closer. Okay. We're not all the way, but we're closer. Okay. The the last piece, the critical. The critical no, I think piece. We say fact. we're done. We got them red and green. I'm happy. It's Christmas. We're good. <laughs> no, fine. Well, to well, look. To, to be honest, if you want to have a cut in this episode, this would be the point to do it. Right. But, but no, that'd just be a big old tease, wouldn't it? We're this. It would close. be a stupendous tease, <laughs> like a listener's murderous in her sleep sort of tease. <laughs> well, not you. They'd murder me because you were ready to keep going, and I was like, nope, we're good. That's a fair point, actually. Yes, it would be entirely on you. All right. Well, no, fine. Let's go keep going. So the final step, if you'll excuse the pun, is the step function. Is the function to actually step us from one state of the automaton to the next state of the automaton. Okay. So I'm going to give that function the wildly imaginative name, step. You and your crazy naming convention. As long as you only name one thing step, it's okay. Yes. I'm just going to name one thing step. Okay. Um... This function doesn't need any arguments because it, the, the constructor has passed in everything that's needed, so the function needs no arguments. And the function just has to do two things. Loop through the entire grid and set the next state of every cell. And then when it's done that, loop through the entire grid and advance each cell and re-render it. 
And okay, why do we have to do those as two steps? We have to steps? do that because we have to set the next state first, and then we have to tell it to actually advance because we have no such thing as current state. Why don't we have such thing as current state? Because you hate us. I don't know. <laughs> no. The answer is because if we move them straight away, the neighbors would all be wrong. Oh, you have to do one at a time? First, you have to calculate all the next states for everyone so that their neighbors are still in the right current state. And then you advance everyone having done the calculation. Imagine if I did cell 00 and I advanced it. Then when I went to do cell 01, it would have the wrong current state because cell 01 yeah. would be already in the future. So we yeah. get everyone's next okay. state into the future and then we flip them forward. Well, so wait a minute. That's why though, it's a two-step process. Okay, so there's going to have to be some crazy logic going on here. If, if, if I've... Uh, chosen let's say my my random function has given me uh alive for cell zero zero and everything around it has just gotten the state of dead Mm -hmm. then alive is wrong well no okay but it doesn't matter because alive is the rule for what to do next not because the rule is never true now the rule is what do i do next because the rule is always going to be wrong because when you click forward Right. There's going to be change every time you step forward. So the rule is how you change from step to step. It's not a validation condition. So, the, yeah, this I don't thing is never how stable. this logic is going to work. We're going to have to, we're not there yet, I understand. We're not so. there yet, so we'll step okay. through it. Yeah, okay. but it's, actually, it's actually very simple code, believe it or not. Because, the reason the code is simple is because we have this concept of having a next state that's already sort of in memory. But how can the, then next, a, the next state is wrong? No, like we're I just calculate, said. No, but we're going to calculate the next state. Okay, so there so is then, no, oh, the next state is no longer calling that random function then. Precisely, the random oh, function okay. is just to get things going. That was going. just to start. Function, oh, okay. Yeah, good, that's good, our good. initial that's state. That's where I was, I was going, well, random, what good is that? Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'm, so that's, I'm that's just up. the initial state, nothing else. Okay. So then from that point forward, from our random starting point, we, follow the, we, we step through following the rules. So in order to calculate the next state, we need to know the state of all of our neighbors. So what we actually need to write is a function to get the next state, or sorry, to get the current state of all of our neighbors. So I have called that function cell neighbor states. Okay. That was as short of a name as I could come up with. Oh, so and that's it's got actually a U in first... it, so we're going to be, I'm going to do it. I'm well, just going to convert. Whatever you like. If you <laughs> yeah. prefer the American way. I forgot about that. I forgot that was one of the words we misspell. Or we, or, we disagree or on the spelling. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah disagree. By disagree. the way, I'm, taking, I'm doing aluminium. I'm with you guys on that one. We'll have to talk Yay. about this whole U thing. What didn't the is it the one of the one of the societies that involves I think it's chemistry one of the world organizations came to a, a consensus that sulfur will be done the American way and aluminium the European way so, so it's a pH, bargain right <laughs> so it's a bargain but that's great because that pH and sulfur was annoying so I'll I'll happily take an F if you guys take an aluminium oh you guys used a pH and we used an F huh yeah oh, so okay. on sulfur so that was that that was the that was how that was the yeah like you said the compromise I thought we so we it we give pH, up sulfur. Okay. All right. We give up sulfur, you guys give up aluminum. So we anyway. have conservation of the number of characters as well, which is good. So the typesetters will be that. happy. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, anyway, our neighbor function. Now, the, okay, so the rules I have set for the neighbor function are that we're going to return the neighbors as an array. And we're going to say that the, the cell directly above me is at position zero. And then we go clockwise from there. That's just I've just that's arbitrary. I've made it up and I've well, written it into the documentation. Let's be at let's be at peace with that because that's the order that you do um uh like borders and and or um, yeah. sorry like margins yeah. and stuff, right? It goes top, right, bottom, left. Exactly. 
it just seems because of because someone decided thousands of years ago that clocks should go that way. That's how we think. Yeah. So I yeah. figured that that just Start came at twelve o'clock. Start at twelve o'clock and work our way around. But we have to go now, to like what two thirty? No, one thirty. <laughs> two uh, noon. Two thirty, three o'clock. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. it's yeah. Now. If you like, we can go through all of these lines in great detail. But basically, all that's involved is math. So you're looking for what's at position X plus one, X minus one, and so on and so forth. And so lines, you can see the code here is in the 35-line little chunk here. And basically, lines 24 to 31 are the calculation for each. It's really persnickety, right? So if, because there's edges, if you're at position zero, zero, there's nothing above you. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that if Y is greater than or equal to one, then we get the current state of position x comma y minus one. Otherwise, we use null. Hang on. So start that over. What is y equal to one? If we're y greater cell- than or equal to one. So okay, what? Uh, okay, so, so I'm, we're in, calculating- I'm in cell zero zero. Tell me what happens. Right. So I'm in cell zero zero. So does that is zero greater than or equal to one? Which zero? No. The y zero. No, no. So you said you said I am at position zero zero. So x is zero and y is zero. So when you look at this line of code, is zero less than or greater than or equal to one would be false. So that's the y zero is what we're looking at on the first line. So well, you said you said assuming we're in position zero zero. So I then know. yes, so the, x and y is, are zero. Okay, but line twenty four says mm-hmm. ants zero in a in an array as an array mm-hmm. equals or becomes yeah becomes equal to becomes equal to y. No, it doesn't become equal to y. The whole line is here, right? So there's a ternary (laughs) operator there, that question mark. So it's condition, question mark, true, colon, false. So if y is greater than or equal to 1, we set the answer to the cell at position x comma y minus 1. Otherwise, we set the answer to null. Question mark. True answer, colon, false answer. Okay, so I'm I'm caught on two things here, Bart. One is mm. trying to remember how to read this kind of code, which I haven't done in a really long time. And two is I have no idea what this logic is telling me to do. So I want to okay, I want to we- hear you to con- connect this to. We said if it has two or more neighbors that are dead, then or only two neighbors alive, then it becomes dead. Words okay, like okay. Well, we're trying. What we're returning here is the array of the state of each of our neighbors. Right, but so, it's based so we have on said that, that we have eight logic. neighbors. Right, but we have to calculate. So what is the cell above me? What is its current state? What is the cell next to its current state? What's the cell below its current state? So the cell at three yes. o'clock. Then what's and so we got to calculate all that information? Then I get to decide what my state is. Okay, but this function doesn't even do that. This function is only getting those eight answers. This function's okay. only job in life is to list yeah. is to create okay. an array of eight things, which okay. is why so it goes from we'll answer zero later. to seven. Okay. Yeah. So the reason we want this is to be able to do, well, how many of you are alive? How many of you are dead? Sure. So now all we're going to do is find these eight states. So I'm I'm starting in cell zero, zero, and I'm going to figure, what am I figuring out in your first line of code there? Am I figuring out the one to the right? My first line of code is the one straight above me, right? Because that's what we said. We start at 12 o'clock. So wherever I am in the grid, whatever is straight above me is what goes into position zero. So if I'm in the middle of the grid, straight above me is easy. It's just the position x, y minus one is straight above me, right? Wait, wait, so we wait, say wait, where wait, we wait, are in the x-axis. Stop, 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 stop. Too fast, too fast. I'm, I'm in a cell, position mm-hmm. zero in this... So we're going to make an array called ants, and it's going to have yes. eight 
it's going to have eight values in it. So of course we start with zero as the first state, yes. as the first we're computer cell. scientists. That's exactly. Okay, so that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm in, I happen to be asking you to describe this for cell zero zero. I thought it did, so that that's why it I'm saying not. it out loud. It does not. So I've got eight uh, values in this array called ants, and mm-hmm. in that first array spot, I'm going to be looking at the thing above me is going to be where zero is, the zero yeah. element of the array. So we start off calculating the twelve o'clock position. Is okay, how you so say the twelve that. o'clock it's position nice. would be my current position in y minus one. Yeah. So why do you now, say becomes equal to y greater than you or equal could be to at one? the edge of the you could be at the edge of the grid. You've so if you're anywhere on the top row, there is no one above you. So what is that y? Is that my y, not the thing above me? It's you're not moving in position. You're saying, okay. If, so if this my function, y is greater than or equal to one. Precisely. If I am in the top row, then I need to return null. I need to put null into this first column because there is nothing at my twelve. And o'clock. the way that would be null is if my y is less than one, otherwise known as zero. Yeah. So I so would basically, put null. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, and then we do, do the same by, math for every on. other position. Hang on. So now I'm in cell three seven. I'm gonna so y is greater than or equal to one because it's seven. So instead mm-hmm. of returning null, it's gonna return this cell state for the current value of x, but y minus one. So I'm gonna go up one and okay. say what is that this dot cell state for that cell? Gotcha. Yes. And we do the same mind bending calculation. And I spent a lot of time with post-it notes with grids <laughs> drawn on them. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, this is non, non-trivial. Oh, I mean, this, is, this made mean, it, my head hurt. It's only hurt. geometry, but getting it wrong is super easy. Yes, which is why the next thing I did was write a test suite. <laughs> <laughs> where I made a grid where I initialized every cell to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, up to as far as 25. Uh-oh. And that way I could easily check if they had the right values by reading them off the grid. Okay. So that's did you use the, Excel so, to do that? I know. I'd use JavaScript to do that. <laughs> and a pen and paper. Good old paper. Look at you. So the next chunk of code, which we're going to sort of skip over quickly, is my test for this, which basically uses a grid numbered from 1 to 20 and then calls cell neighbors for each of the four corners and a, a middle position that has all of its neighbors. So there's five calls to a.deep equal. So a I'm dot, looking a for. A.what? So remember, deep equal is how we can check if one if one array is equal to another array. Yeah, so how, is it, had, how is it written? Uh, so is you can see double, it there. In that, triple? I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. Where no, no. Are. It's it's okay. So I'm looking in the test suite, line mm-hmm. twenty six. Oh, deep equal is an actual function. Okay, I forgot about that one. Yes. Okay. So you've got so an basically. array that's just got a bunch of numbers in it there. What, yes. Uh, so I am I am setting the state. So instead of it being true or false, I'm setting the state to be a number. Because the state could be anything, right? So my array is is, is an array. my cellular automaton contains the states one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, up to twenty. And that way, I can easily calculate if my neighbors are coming back right because I can just on a piece of paper look. So at position four, four, what should my neighbors be? They should be seventeen, whatever. So this is hurting my head a little bit, but I think I understand oh. it. When you write var state array equals and your arrays say one six eleven sixteen, then the next one says two seven twelve seventeen. That's because one is the 
the because fruit- there are, are yeah, it's rows and then columns. Yeah. So, well, no, no, it's columns first. One six. Well, it's 11, an array. 16. That's it's a an column. array of arrays. Yeah, it's an array of columns. Is unfortunately how it works. Yeah, out, so it's columns that way you get- first. Not because you you very helpfully wrote above represents grid one two three four five on a row six seven eight nine ten on a row. Yeah. If you hadn't and done reason, that, I'd have said, "What are you smoking?" And the reason that comment is there is because I initially got my my test initially failed, and I scratched <laughs> my head for a very long time until I realized, "Oh, sugar!" Didn't you yeah, start by saying this was easy? By the way, I would just like to play that part of the the recording back. Well, here. no, no, I said the step function is easy. So we're about to get to the step function, oh, okay. but working out the neighbors is not hard. It was just, just mind bending, a lot of geometry and. Yeah, and the the nice thing was once I had the test case, I could be sure I was right. And then I could mm-hmm. go on to my step function and in confidence. Yeah, okay. And so the step function is, is really quite short because we just got to loop through a few things. Okay, so, so that's the next thing. Your, it, wait, get back to your a dot equal because that's where I stopped you. So what do you do on, okay. the, on this? So I am writing five test cases here. Oh, that's test cases in there. Okay, sorry. Yeah. All right. So I'm basically saying that if you, if you go to the cell... For zero zero, I expect to get back null null because there's nothing at twelve o'clock, nothing at the one thirty position. Then I expect to get back two seven six null null null. And if you look at the grid in the comment for position one there, I should get null null two seven six null null null. Null null. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be really fun for the audio listeners, but hang on. I'm in position zero zero, which is cur- yeah. is currently is a one, correct? It is a one. So oh, what oh. should my neighbors be? Okay, so null, null, two, seven, six, null, null. Got it. I had to switch down to your above rev- represents grid. I was looking at the actual yeah. state array and that is wrong. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's why that okay, comment gotcha. is there. And then the next thing I check is position four, zero, which okay. is the cell So you're checking the boundary co- conditions. I check each of the four corners because they're, they're, they're the most likely places I've made something wrong. And then I check uh, position zero, comma, three, which gives me an internal cell that should have all eight of its neighbors. Sorry, I check self. Bottom right corner. Sorry, the, yeah. I check an internal cell first. Sorry, that's on line 23. I check cell 32, which should give me back 9, 10, 15, 20, 19, 18, 13, 8. And then when I'm sure that the easy one works, I check the four difficult ones, which is the four corners. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, it's there in the comments, right? Line 22, check an internal cell. So I should have read my own comments. And line 25, check the four corners. Good. But again, okay. the logic is simple, right? We're checking that we get back what we think we should. And the hardest part was working out what I should get back. Again, pen and paper. But look. Ah, geometry. Anyway, the nice thing is once the test suite runs, we know that our cell neighbor states function is correct. So then we can write our step function in confidence. Right. So that's, that's where we are now. So let's write the step function. So first thing we have to do is get the next state for every single cell. To move so that it has a next state. So we simply have a for loop that goes for x equals zero as far as the calls, for y equals zero as far as the rows, right? That's a I wrote that same two lines of code so many times writing this prototype. Um, sorry, sorry, I'm having trouble finding you on the page. Okay, now. so I've so moved on the to yeah. So the very next chunk of code is 32 times long, 32 no, lines. The next long. thing is one line long, then another one line long, inverting. Sample CA step. There's three one line long pieces of code. Did we skip that? Okay, yo, you've you scrolled further down. No, I just finished the test suite. Yeah, that, the, that's oh, the, it's the, the test, test suite. suite. Oh, they look 
No, no, no. They're Wait. very similar. They're extremely oh, similar. Oh, because... No, there's test suite, then there's some code, then there's test suite again. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'm catching up now. Sorry. Now that yeah. I'm with oh, you. No, but they're very similar tests because checking the next date is awfully similar to checking if you got your neighbors right in the current one. Okay, I scrolled too far. Okay, so sorry. Tell me, tell me what we're doing in the step function now. So the step function is to move us from now to the next time, to, to click forward by one, right? That's the job of the step function is to go from now to the next state. And so I'm saying that we do that in two steps. The first thing we do is we calculate everyone's next state and save it into each cell. And then we tell each cell to advance. Okay. So, so on line nine, we start a two level four loop that goes through all of the X's and all of the Y's. So a 2D, it, it, a nested okay. for loop yeah. to get us through all the coordinates. And so right. to make life easy, I'm just going to save a reference to the current cell and call it C. Okay. So I say this dot cell X comma Y. Save me typing over and over again, this dot mm -hmm. cell X comma Y. So first thing first, calculate the next state. The next well, we state actually is what it says in the notes. It does say, it does <laughs> say that in my lovely little typo. I liked it. Comments. I like it. Next like previously. <laughs> Truthy. Colbert would love it. Um, so var ns is this dot underscore step fn. In other words, the step function, whatever it was that was passed to the constructor, we saved it in the variable called step fn. Could be anything. Mm -hmm. That's the name we've given it. We shall call that function. So roundy brackets is called function. And we shall pass it two arguments. My current state, c dot state, and the state of my neighbors, this dot cell neighbor states x comma y. Right. So that's that's by the rules, right? That's how the step function should work. And it will return right. a state, which we now save into NS. So NS now contains the next state as per whatever the function is. It could be anything. Okay, but yeah, we haven't given it a function yet. Right, we're writing the code in the abstract here. Okay. We just know that when the okay. constructor is called, we will name whatever you gave me, underscore step FN. Gotcha. Okay. Then we simply call the next state function on our cell and set it to NS. So NS now has a current state and a next state. And that, well, that loop, will loops... when, when the step function actually exists. Exactly. Has so as okay. this function is executing, it will be updating the next state of every cell. So when this two-level for loop is finished running, every cell will have a current state and a next state. So the next thing we want to do is loop through all the cells again and advance them to their next state. Right. Okay. So we have the same for loop. X equals zero, Y equals zero, less than or equal to calls, less than or equal to rows. And then the first thing we do, so that's on line 25, this dot cell X comma Y dot advance. So that's that same function call we had before saying yeah. go to the next state, step forward. And then we call the render function, whatever it is, just like we did exactly the same as we did in our set function. Right. So that will make it red or green or whatever the function happens to do. Right, right. And then we return a reference to ourselves because that's just what the doc said to do. Um, so the next thing we have is another test condition, which basically sets an, a, an initial state of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 as far as 25 and a next state of 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 up to 26. And my step function is add 1. So there you can see my, my before should be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and my after should be 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 because my function is add 1. Okay. And it... And so my test is simply, does the next, does, you know, I call my function to step forward and then I check deep equals, you know, is it, is it true, basically? So somewhere in uh, here I should find that step fn? Being well, no, because I'm just calling, test? no, 
I'm just going to call step. So, yeah, okay. So we define our two big arrays. On line five, we define the first one. And on mm-hmm. line 12, we define the second one. Mm-hmm. Then on line 19, we call the constructor to make a cellular automaton with the wonderfully imaginative name CA. Mm-hmm. As an argument, it gets an empty div, mm-hmm. 5,5, 5, so it's a That's small cellular automaton. Right. Uh, f- so our oh, I see, and there's function, the function. The step function is whatever goes into that third, no, fourth position. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's where you said return s plus one. one. Got you. Okay, I've got it. Then the next one is my render function, but since this is a completely invisible cellular automaton no one's ever going to look at, my render function does nothing. It literally does nothing. Because this is just your test. This is just a test. And then the last argument is the the initial state, the starting point, which is my state array pre, which is the first of my two arrays. Okay. And and this makes sense to not have it do anything, because it's not like Bart is going to go look at the colors and go, wait a minute, there's an error in cell 3.7. (laughs) You need it to just tell you whether it worked or not. Exactly. So then the next line is simply ca.step. Call the function, make it go forward. And then we loop through the entire array and we check that the value is what's in the second array. Okay. And if all of the values were the same, we pass our test. And if they weren't, we fail our test. Okay. So that's our test case. And at that point in the game, we're all good. So we're actually now ready to implement the game of life. We are so going to do that things, today, right? Oh, we are, because it's very short. We've done all oh, the heavy really? work there. Okay. Oh, yeah. This, that's, that's the joy of writing prototypes, right? All the hard work is in the prototype. And then you just say, now go do this. Okay. So as things stand in sample.html, our um, step function is return true, a shockingly boring step function. Right. So to make sure that... To make sure that everything is working, we're going to use another incorrect step function, which is simply one to invert. So return CS question mark false colon true. And then we can use sample.html to watch it flip over and back. So it's a visual way of seeing that our, our step function works. I'll, okay. I'll, we won't, won't go through that together. Okay, that makes sense. So now, now we can do the game of life. So those four rules in English now need to be written in JavaScript. And I said it will be easy. Yeah, you well, did. 25 lines of code. With lots of comments. Oh, wow. Lots of comments, though. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm surprised it's 25. I would have thought that would be hundreds. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were surprised the other way. <laughs> no, no. Well, let's step through it then, because... <laughs> sorry. If you, yes, sorry. Excuse the pun. The so puns the first, today. The first thing we need to know is how many of our neighbors are alive. So var num live neighbors equals zero. So... The Wait, arguments so become zero. Step, becomes equal to zero. Becomes equal to zero. We set so it to zero. Set it zero, okay? And then we're going to count them. Okay. So just a reminder, the two inputs to every step function are the, cur- are the current state and the state of all the neighbors. Yes? Right. So they will be passed as the first and second arguments, and we shall call those arguments current state and neighbor states. So we are choosing to name them. On line two, we are saying we shall call the first argument current state, and we shall call the second argument, neighbor states, whatever they may happen to be. And current state is the current state of the current cell. Yes. Okay. So this step function is going to calculate what to do next, and it's going to be called once on every single cell. Okay. So we need to count how many of our neighbors are alive. I've chosen to be positive. I could have counted how many of them are dead, but I decided to be positive and count how many are alive. Okay. So we assume it's none of them, and then we check every one to see if it's alive or not. So neighbor states dot for each. 
So that's another way of looping. I decided to, to mm-hmm. remind you that there are two ways of looping. So we say that if the one we're testing is true, num live neighbors plus plus. Hang on. So if S uh, is identical to true, what is what mm-hmm. was S was the state of what? Okay, so the for each function takes as an argument a callback. So there's right. our anonymous function starting right. in line five. And what the for each will do is it will call the anonymous function once for everything in the array, passing the value as the first argument. And we're so doing we are that saying, within neighbor states, which is that array of eight values. Bingo. Okay. And we are saying, call it S. So we say function open parens S close parens. So we are there saying we shall name it. It's a whole different S than the S we had before, but it happens to be of similar value. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to be sort of like state S. Yeah. Okay. That okay. works. All right. So we're saying if our current neighbor we're evaluating is true, the number of live neighbors goes up by one. So number of live on, neighbors plus We can plus use plus. S because it's, it only exists within that function. Bing, bing, bing. Okay. Exactly. That's the why scope, we can reuse it and it makes sense. Yeah, so the scope of that S is between lines five and seven. Yeah, I like it. Look at me following along. Excellent. So at the end of this loop, num live neighbors will contain a value. If none of them were alive, it will still be on zero. But for every live one it found, it will have incremented it by one. Okay, yeah. So now yeah. we're ready to apply the rules. So the first three rules say that if you're alive, do something. So the first if statement is simply if current state double equals true. If I'm alive, do something else. Apply rule four, which simply says if the number of neighbors is exactly three, I become alive again. Okay. So on line Hang 20, on. Let, let we me implement read this that. Again. So if current state equals true, that's where we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying. Then, we need, then we're going to apply the rules one to three. So the first one yeah. says if the number of live neighbors is less than two, we know we're going to be, de- we need to be dead. So return okay, false. Okay, so line 14 does that exactly. Says return false. Yeah, that's why I was just reading. But so it's mm-hmm. less. I thought two or fewer. Mm-mm. We read it out twice. Less than two, so we explicitly said it would be less than two, not less than or equal to. So one, so the English one, said less one or than zero two. live neighbors turns you dead. Yeah. Okay. Precisely. All right. So it turns out. Okay. Lonely, and then the second. I don't know. Why do you say apply rules one to three, and you only have a one and a three? You don't have a rule two. Yeah, because if you, as you noticed yourself, rule two sort of happens by default. Right. I am alive. If there's zero or one, I should die. If there's more than three, I should die. Otherwise, I should just stay where I am. Oh, so the rule numbers are the rule numbers from the documentation of how the game of life is played. Okay. All right. So rule. So we got rule one says if it's fewer than two return, you're dead. Rule Mm -hmm. three is if it's more than three, you're also you're also dead. Uh, then is, are, we had an if statement on if we were alive. So now we're currently dead. The only way we can become alive is if we have precisely three live neighbors. So if no live neighbors, triple equals three, return true. Right. So precisely three. And yeah. then the only, other, the only other condition, then it defaults to uh, you were... You, if you're see. dead, you stay dead. And if you're alive, you stay alive. So no change. Oh, okay. All right. So okay. return current state. Okay. I got it. Yeah. And so that perfectly implements that English. So that is our new step function. So if you pop that step function into, so I called it life, life step. So if we update our constructor that we had from before inside sample.ca, mm-hmm. well, hey, presto, we now have the game of life, right? So we, I've done a little bit of rejiggering because I want to add in a button. 
So instead of using main, I'm using a div with the ID game of life container. And I'm saying make it 50 by 100, because 5 by 5 is tiny. And we're saying our step function is life step. Our render function is render red green. And our initialization function is random boolean. Okay. Hey, presto, we have ourselves a cellular automaton. Wow. Now, we, we could go into the JavaScript console and type sample ca.step, and it will click forward by one. And then we hit the up arrow, and we hit enter, and it will go forward again. And we can keep doing that. So the last thing we do in the code here is we add a button, mm-hmm. which has a click handler, which calls dot .step. I'm all over that. <laughs> and so the final thing here is the full HTML file of sample ca.html, which you will find in the GitHub as PBS42 challenge start point. Um, okay. So remember there were two. Yeah. So yeah. the first one is how we started. And then if you, you could have copied and pasted and you would have arrived at the same point, or you could go to the, the other link, which is the PBS42 challenge starting point. So if you're back on GitHub, yeah. you go back to that tags thing and you click that drop down. Okay. And now and we you go to tags. Right. But I, Okay. Oh, I see. I don't have to do it from the web lock, but I could. You could do it from the web lock because that's exactly where the web lock goes. Right. But you're saying I could type in PBS 42. Right. So you see the way you have the green, you see the way you have the green download button and at the very, very opposite corner, it says tags and there's a down arrow. Mm -hmm. If you click the down arrow, it'll show you branches by default, but there's another button next to that called tags. Oh, okay. The tags are there. Okay, so then yeah. you can see 42. Gotcha, gotcha. You can see 42 and download it. And then you'll okay. have the fully finished. Or I've also put the same file as uh, pbs42.html in the zip file, so you don't have to download anything from GitHub. No, we have to go use GitHub. Okay, or you can go use GitHub. I don't care, whichever you do. So I've got, I've got is... several 42s going on now, but I think I can follow this. Okay. So if you open pbs42.html in your browser of choice, you should now have a fully working game of life. Exciting. With a button called Step Forward by One. And every time you click the button, you should watch it do its game of life thing. Okay. This is, uh, just got some steps to do. What what do you open? Sample.html? Sample.html from GitHub or pbs42 from the zip file, your choice. Oh my God, they're two different... Oh, you're killing me. Not Two different files, file names? Well, depending on what... I, I thought I was being helpful. <laughs> you We've said always... we had to use GitHub. <laughs> yeah, well, then you got cranky at me. No, I wanted to learn to do it. I just said I hadn't done it okay. enough. Look at that. Nope. Oh, that's pretty cool looking. All right. Now, at the moment, the UI has some shortcomings. <laughs> In fact, it is the world's dumbest UI. It has a button. Right. So your homework is to make the UI not suck. I'm a little bit more specific. Okay. The button's fine, but I want more. I want more, Alison, more. Fine, 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 fine. Okay. So what I'd like you to do is create an automatic mode. So instead of it being a button to go next, I'd also like a button called play or start or go or make it go. Okay. Make it so. Oh, shoot. I I shouldn't have told everybody. Now everybody's going to do that. And a stop button, please. Okay. So basically the ability to make it stop and go. And then I'd like you to add a counter so that we can see what generation we're on. So this is the game of life. So every time you step forward, you're in the next generation. Oh, there's another pun. <laughs> a lot of Star Trek <laughs> going on in here. <laughs> so I'd like you to render me somewhere on the page what generation we're at. So when you hit play, you can watch the generations tick up. 
And then for bonus credit, I'd like some sort of slider so I can speed it up and slow it down. But that's for bonus credit. And that's not oh, straightforward. That's crazy talk. So play pause and the ability to see where we are is more, is sufficient. But if you if you get that done in two minutes, mm-hmm. then, then you can have a slider using the range input that we learned about a few weeks ago. I know how to, to make speed sliders. it up and slow it down. I have a go. slider. <laughs> so okay. th- that's your homework. I got it. And this is this is a web app. This this is a zero player game. We have made an actual web app. It contains HTML. CSS and JavaScript working together to do an actual thing. All this is a big deal. In. Yeah, yeah. From soup to nuts, we have arrived at a really important crossroads in this series. This is the first time we have been able to bring those three threads that have been dangling next to each other for <laughs> 30, no, 41 episodes. We have <laughs> finally been able to unite them. This is what we have been working towards for two years? Yeah. Year and a half? Yeah. Long time. I wanted to see this. A long time ago, I've been nagging you. Why can't why can't we put it together? Well, do you agree that it oh, would yeah. not have worked if I had jumped to here first? Yeah, yeah, I do. Having having traveled this path, I agree. So, what do we do next? Well, okay. So the first thing we do next is we make the form not suck. You're going to do most of it for your homework, and then I'm going to make it even cooler next time. Okay. But after that, we have a choice. Either we learn a little bit more cool HTML using Bootstrap 4 so that we have responsive web designs. You know this idea where on your phone it looks one way and on a web browser it looks another way, but it's actually the same page? We've got to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I need to teach you the new stuff in JavaScript since we started doing this series. So we learned ES5, but since then ES6 has come out and ES2017 has also come out, also known as ES7. And in work, I have been using ES7, and it's lovely. And then when I had to do the show notes for this week, I had to go back to ES5. (laughs) It was torture. So I have decided we're doing ES6 first. Wait, the reason we're doing six, but you're not going to let us jump to six. I'm not going to let you jump to seven because a that's just too much of a change in one go, and b browser support for seven isn't great yet. So why don't we go to the one that has good browser support, which is six? So you have the luxury at work because you can force them to do certain things. Ah, no, I have the luxury at work because I'm not using a browser. I'm using ah. JavaScript from the command line. Oh, <laughs> okay. Using Node.js. So I'm writing Node apps. And Node is fully up to date. So okay, a Node so you're I can not, use You're not writing like, web apps. You're writing Node apps. App apps. I'm writing apps. command line apps. Okay. Uh, which we will learn to do in due course here too, okay. but not yet. Okay. We're still, we're still having One fun. One step at a time. Exactly. So we're going to make our cellular automaton cooler, and then we're going to do ES6. And one of the nicest things about ES6 is that you will never have to write a prototype again. What? Why did I have to learn all that? ah, Because the prototype way is the hard way. I'm going to teach you the easy way to achieve the identical results. So this reminds me of when Lindsay was... uh what was she maybe a freshman sophomore in high school wherever she was starting calculus and and uh uh she was sick and i took her to the doctor and you know they they make you sit on that that table that's got the white paper on it and we were bored waiting so i taught her how to do derivatives and Mm -hmm. the next day she went into school and the teacher started teaching it and she said well wait a minute why don't you just do this he goes oh man who showed you the easy way you're supposed to see the hard way first (laughs) well this is slightly different right so in es5 there was no easy way so I didn't teach you a needlessly hard way. I taught you the only way that worked in all At browsers when we started this series two years ago. Oh, okay. 
We're good. So we, we, I picked ES5 because that was the highest supported version of JavaScript then. Dumb question. What's ES stand for again? Uh, ECMA script, oh. which is the real name of JavaScript. Ah, okay. Which is the European... Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Script. <laughs> the European <laughs> something something script. <laughs> Association, I'm sure, is the A. It's a standards body. It basically, okay. it's standardized JavaScript as ECMA. Okay. okay. And version 5 of the spec is what we've been doing so far. And then we're going to learn about version 6 of the spec. But version 7 is already out. Okay. Just not well supported in browsers. Gotcha. All right. <sighs> so with all that, yeah. So basically, prototypes go away and are replaced by something called classes, which are much easier. So I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you the relief of learning how to do prototypes with less stress. Okay, good. I'm I'm appreciating that because this was way less annoying than I thought it would be. I, I I'm I, I now, when you use the word this, do you mean the word this in the JavaScript sense? <laughs> um. Anyway, I I, I think it was uh, I understood logically what you did, and uh, and nothing was terrifying, and I didn't see a whole lot of variables that I couldn't figure out what the heck you were talking about. So I consider this a very victorious episode that I was I was to be honest, I was really worried about. I can understand why, because it does sound pretty darn scary. But as you build it up piece by piece, it, it's like building a skyscraper. You start on the first floor, and then you build the second floor, and then you build the third floor, and before you know it, you're at floor 110. Yeah. Now, you did build all of it for us, though. So that, that right. helped. But, but I understood it, and I and slowly remembered the pieces that we had constructed before. So that that it, that pleased me that I wasn't like, well, where the heck did that come from? Because I remembered some yeah. of it, enough of it to and follow And this is our first web app, but we still have a long way to go in this series. So expect me to be doing an awful lot less. Okay. And expect your homework to start expecting an awful lot more. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? I mean, that's how this game works, right? I know, but I spent a week and a half getting a click handler to work. So. <laughs> Right. Well, now, you see, the thing is, your homework for the next time is all click handlers. I want you oh. to make a whole bunch of buttons. Wait, so you're getting to you just assign? Oh, yeah. But it's all... Yeah, that. right. A go button, a stop button. Click handlers. I'm all over click handlers. Mean click handlers. We're, we're, we're super happy now. If you go into the bonus, I would suggest a change handler is probably something you're going to need for the yeah, slider. We'll see how far I get in that one. <laughs> there you go. I will give you another tip. We did many, many moons ago, we learned about something called set interval and set timeout, which we used for the clock. So you know the way the clock does something every second? Yeah. That seems like it might be relevant. Well, set interval and... Set timeout. Set timeout. Okay, so anybody who who managed to stay for an hour and 38 minutes into this is going to have a step ahead. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Exactly. I'm a big believer in this. I used to, we have a thing in university called Rag Week, which is a week where everyone, in theory, it's for raise and give, but it's actually a giant big piss up. And most lecturer, yes, it does. Much, 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 much drinking. And my policy when I was lecturing was always that if I gave exam hints, they would be on the last minute of the last lecture at the end of Rag Week. (laughs) So you, uh, you, not necessarily five people. punished other people, but... Right. I rewarded the five people who who stuck by and actually came to my lectures. And maybe yeah. were sober when they got there. Well, I don't know how sober they were. I mean, maybe maybe the exam hints bounced right off them. <laughs> <laughs> but they had the opportunity. They had the opportunity, exactly. So, yes, exactly. Same sort of idea. All right. 
Well, this was fun. I, I was a little cranky at the beginning, but I caught up. Excellent. And uh, well, hope, I'll be interesting to see how you get on with the homework. Because yeah, we'll it's, see. <laughs> the, the, the line count will be low, yeah. but the frustration count may be high. Great. All right, Bart. Well, we will uh, we'll see how I get there in a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, until then, happy computing and I guess happy coding. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.